Rain meets the river, river meets the valley, valley meets the rain. Rain meets the river, river meets the valley, valley meets the rain. Rain meets the river, river meets the valley, valley meets the rain. Rain meets the river, river meets the valley, valley meets the rain. Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco and I'm your host. As a 35 plus year spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back. Enjoy, and know you are not alone. Welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. I'm very honored today to have Matt Burgess on. Matt is the founder and president of Freedom Fighters, which is a service dog training organization out of Columbus, Georgia. And Matt's focus with these dogs is to provide them to disabled military and first responders thing that's near and dear to his heart seeing is that he's not only served in the military being in the georgia national guard and serving overseas in operation enduring freedom and iraqi freedom as well as being wounded serving overseas so with that matt how are you doing i'm great today thanks so much for having me i'm honored oh it's my pleasure uh, first and foremost thank you for your service from those of us that like myself i grew up all I wanted to do was join the military with the ankylosing spondylitis that was not to be in my cards. So I, I ended up having to go a different route. So for me, anytime I can get the message out to help anybody, whether they be disabled service members or in this case, a combination of the two, I love to do it. And Freedom Fighters is such an amazing story. I'd really like if you could to tell the listeners a little bit about your military background and what brought you into thinking about service dogs. Yes, sir. Well, first of all, Jason, thank you. Even though you couldn't join the military, thank you for your service now and, and what you're doing for humanity, which is, is really means a great deal to me. And I'm honored. Uh, the first time in the military, I was uh, in the infantry from 1993 to 97 and uh, deployed to Bosnia and Macedonia and went through three blast explosions, which created traumatic brain injury but they didn't really have that term at the time or really know was and i knew i was different but i wanted to stay in the military i got the military with honorable discharge in 1997 i did a couple different jobs ran in a tree service and then after 9 11 i wanted to go back in the military to serve again and also i hope to I get into federal law enforcement so i felt like military police would help my resume so I joined the National Guard for what they called Try One, which was to be one year. Graduated uh, in the top 10 percentile of my military police school and was doing pretty well fast-tracking with the military. And I uh, deployed to Iraq in 2003 uh, with the Georgia National Guard, 190th MP. And a month later, I was having sharp pains and falling down in um, extreme cases of vomiting and uh, despite my protest, I was medevaced back to the United States, and I went through two years of uh, medical treatment trying to determine what the case was and was sent to Walter Reed Anthrax Vaccination Center where they determined I was the most classic case of symptoms as a result of the anthrax. And so in 2006, I was temporarily retired from the military 
in 2007 permanently retired. They even thought you had ankylosing spondylitis, what like what I have, because they just couldn't put together what was going on with you. Yes, sir. Amongst uh, several tests, that was one of the primary considerations. A wonderful doctor who really went above and beyond, he really considered that that might be the diagnosis. Interesting. And then it turns out to be this shot you got, in essence. It was, you know, a vaccination to try and keep you safe. Turns out to be what caused you all your problems. Yes, sir. The reaction to it uh, ended up creating 18 previously non-existent medical conditions, five of which, you know, the doctors label the uh, top five killers. So, Wow. So you come back, you've been given all this news. What led you to say, I, I want to start an organization to train service dogs? I was medically retired. I went to a couple of technical schools and then I went to, uh, in Gainesville, Georgia, I enrolled in a associate's degree at Gainesville State and got my associate's degree and thankfully my grades were good enough that I was able to transfer to uh, University of Georgia and so I was in my final year at the University of Georgia and my pet of 15 years dog had passed away so I went to Athens Georgia Animal Shelter and the first kennel I walked into there was this little brown and black bundle of fur and I uh, started, walked up and started chewing my shoelaces, just looking at me like, please take me, please take me. And so I put in the application and the, the amazing thing, now I know why, was six people ahead of me didn't take that dog and I got him. So a year later, I was working on uh, building a privacy fence and I, I named the dog I adopted Brinks because I thought he was going to be a security dog because he was a Rottweiler Shepherd mix and had big paws. A year later, I was working on a privacy fence, and the wind blew, bored, and hit me in the head because I was already susceptible to head injury. It knocked me unconscious. And Brinks jumped an existing five-foot wire fence, went scratched on the neighbor's door, jumped back over the wire fence, and I woke up to Brinks dropping my cell phone on my chest and licking my face. And then in that very transformative, pivotal moment, I knew my life's purpose. And I knew that we would start a nonprofit, rescue dogs from shelters, train them to be service dogs, and provide them at no cost to disabled veterans in order to, to give the same quality of life back to, to veterans that Brinks was giving me. And had Brinks been trained to do any of that? No, he hadn't. And uh, when he did that, it was just instinct and he was untrained, mostly untrained. I had started working with him. Uh, He was, of course, very puppy and he would run through my house and chewed up shoes. And when I told my professor the dog ate my paper, my term paper, it really wasn't a lie. It was the the truth. (laughs) So I, I, um, it, it was understandable, but still a little stressful. So I, I invested in a lot of dog training videos and had really started learning how to train dogs. But what Brinks did when he saved my life for the first time of many to me is the powerful, often intangible thing about the canines where they know so much and they know us often better than ourselves. And just it it can become a, a powerful collaboration. You have this episode happen. You've got Brinks with no idea that I'm uh, that you're ever going to use Brinks as any type of service dog. He's really designed just to be a pet and a you know a ball of fur around your house. Tell me about the 
not Brinks, but tell me about the first dog that you ever went and rescued to train. How did that come about? Yeah, because of Brinks, shortly after that, I went to the Shepherd Share Center where they uh, work with, it's a six-month program where they work with veterans with traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. And while I was there, a veteran told me about, who had a service dog, told me about an organization in South Carolina who uh, would train existing pets to be service dogs. So I searched out the organization, went to the organization and invested myself, became his lead trainer. And I uh, trained Brinks to be a service dog. And then in 2014, started on my own. And the incredible, powerful story of the first dog we rescued named Bronson, he was in White County, Georgia. He had been severely abused and pretty horrifying situation and we placed him with a child with special needs at the time and it's been an incredible journey that uh it's pretty hard not to get emotional about it to date how many dogs has freedom phytos rescued and and put to work we've created 43 service dog teams will be placing eight more by the end of this year by the end of december and we have a waiting list of 200 plus so it's a pretty big need yes and now with that said you've got some relationships with the various kennels around you um the the pounds the all the places that hold you know basically unwanted dogs at the time you must have a lot of time and effort just in vetting dogs Yes, sir. It's a very, when we go to the kennels, we, of course, wish we could take them all. And I think that's half or a good part of the reason why I started Freedom Fighters is to be able to walk into the shelters and be able to say yes. And it's a very emotional experience. And when we go to the kennels, uh, tennis ball training is one of my favorite ways to train the service dog. So I walk in with a tennis ball, bouncing the tennis ball. And at first, all the dogs will pay attention, uh, but the, the dog is still paying attention to the tennis ball 20 to 30 minutes later is usually your very driving task-oriented dog and probably the one we'll select. And we, of course, do a personality tra- test. And we also take Brinks with us because as much as me and my partner try to speak dog knees, you know, or even <laughs> to put a, a bone in our, in, in our mouth and hand it to the dogs, we don't. And so Brinks can tell us if there's anything with the dog that we might not see. And it, it's a very emotional, draining, three- to four-hour experience. Again, we wish we could take them all, but then at the end, it's just really amazing when you walk out with this dog that maybe was going to be euthanized or given up for any reason, and they don't understand that. And it's almost like they know that you saved their life, and then it just begins the powerful journey with, with the culmination where they're placed with a veteran and the collaboration and the symbiotic relationship and the healing is just beyond words. Now, these dogs, when you pick them, now obviously each person that's going to receive a dog is going to have different needs, but that doesn't mean that all the dogs have to be large breeds for a mobility type service. They could be small breeds for emotional issues, anything of that nature, could they not? Right. A- absolutely. There's, uh, and it's really amazing when you get these dogs from the shelters and, and then the journey and the, to give them a chance. And we actually have two small Yorkies that retrieve items off the ground. And the cool thing with them is they're able to jump up in the wheelchair for, for those two veterans. So yes, absolutely. There's pretty much, there's really no dog ex- excluded and we work with every disability except for the seeing eye dog. 
that being said, do you train the dogs to the ADA standards so they are a service dog and not, I hate to use this term, just an emotional support dog? Yes, sir, we do. We're we're really strict and, and really pay attention to the ADA, which paraphrases if there's a, a dog that can be task trained to alleviate a disability, then the dog has the right to be in public. So our dogs are task trained to alleviate a physical disability for the individual. Oh, fantastic. So that way they can't be discriminated against and forced to be left out if that person needs the assistance. Absolutely. It is a law. The ADA is is a law. And one benefit about with the dogs being past trained, we've seen, for example, when I walk into a restaurant, uh, Brinks carries my wallet or carries my keys. He Brinks puts the wallet up on the table. He pays at grocery stores. He helps me do my, my laundry. He retreat. He um, can take items at a grocery store off the shelf and put it and do paws up and put them in the grocery cart. Also wakes me up when I stop breathing at night by licking my face. He saved my life numerous times. So he's my hero. And so we like to, we sort of use him as the gold standard that we want to replicate or duplicate what he gives to me and give that to other people. One of the things that's really neat about Freedom Fighters is you've caught the attention of a lot of people, including an author named Ramona Rice. And she wrote a book about you guys called Walk in My Paws, an anthology, Working Service Dogs. It was just published about two months ago. And if I understand right from reading the information on it, it talks about, oh, roughly three dozen dogs, service dogs, and, and how they help the people that have them. Yeah, so that's really been a wonderful highlight of 2019. We had a we're very grateful that Eric Weinmare, one of my good friends I had met on a mountain climbing expedition, had a piece that aired on NBC. And Ramona saw that and reached out to us. And being the incredible, in, in my mind, modern-day Mother Teresa that she is, she had written a first uh, one book and donated the royalties and, about Cushing's disease. And she was writing another one, which, uh, as you mentioned, Jason, is uh, 33 stories of service dog handlers. And she wanted to donate the royalties to a nonprofit with service dogs. So in addition to that, the relationship has grown. She also ended up including Freedom Fidos in the book. It's been an incredible journey. She's just one of the most high-caliber, giving, big-hearted people I know. And so now she's very instrumental in Freedom Fidos. And we're just ecstatic about the book. And my, my co-partner and one of our board members, Christine, and her service dog, Oakley, ended up being on the front cover. And it really shows their connection. So we're, we're really excited about the book. We really feel like it's a book that the world's been waiting for. It's a tearjerker. It's compelling. It's and gripping and a must-read. And so we're really thankful to Ramona for what she's done. Very neat, and I'm looking forward to getting a copy because anybody that is listening to this, any copies bought, the proceeds come back to help Freedom Fighters, which is really fantastic. Yes, sir. It it really is. We're really excited about it, and, and it really does. Uh, we we are five hundred one c three nonprofit, and uh, no salaries, and and so that's one of the challenges is, is raising the funds so we can keep on supporting our populations because we're all in and hungry to do so. The the 200 plus, all of those voices are on my mind daily and they weigh on my mind. And 
So there's certainly an urgency to place these dogs. And so the funds from this book are absolutely helpful. So we're really grateful to Ramona. So anybody that's listening, if you're a veteran or first responder, you know, please, and, and you're thinking you have issues with PTSD or mobility or, or anything, please reach out to Matt and his organization at freedomfighters.org and talk with him. There may be some things that uh, he can discuss with you to, to help, and it possibly may be that you end up on the list to receive a dog. That may be something that's of help to you. If you have other specialties you want to become an advisor because you have business acumen, you know how to write grants, you've had business experience, whatever that specialty is, reach out to Matt. Matt would love to talk with you. And there's also ways to help go around to different organizations if you're in the Georgia area and help with the dogs and the fundraising and stuff. So there's a lot of things that are very important that help keep freedomfighters.org running. And I would encourage anybody to reach out and talk with Matt and see if you can't be of assistance. So Matt, maybe somebody wants to try and train their own dog. There's no requirements that a dog has to go through a specific organization for training. If you were, if, if you could give that person two or three bits of information when they go to talk about picking out a dog at, at a pound, one was the tennis ball you mentioned. What other things might they use to try and vet to find the right dog? I would really recommend, even if they don't end up going through a service dog organization, I would really recommend them find someone experienced with dogs to go to the kennels with them to make sure they get the right dog because it's a very challenging experience which takes a lot of time and experience and I've actually had in my first days I've actually had dogs where I didn't pick the correct dog myself and sometimes you don't know and, and in fact you may not even know until the last week the, the the dog may not make it, but I highly recommend that they find someone with service dog experience to help them pick out the right dog. Because typically it's not the dog that most individuals would think. Interesting. So, yes, look in your local services, see about dog training and, and see what folks offer any type of assistance with going to vet. And it might not be a a pound dog. It might be a dog where you have a certain breeder in mind and that professional dog trainer can tell you, yes, you want to look at puppies here. No, you don't want to look at puppies here. Here's the puppy you want to consider because as Matt said, you don't want to get two, three years into training of the dog and maybe through no fault of, of the dog, he or she's just not cut out for this. And now you have a dog that can't do what you were hoping it to do. What do you do? It brings up a whole nother series of issues to deal with. Yes, absolutely. That's great advice. And, and for example, when we go to the shelters, we, there, there's so many things we have to test for. And, and a lot of it has come through experience. For example, food aggression or the inability to be compatible with other dogs. So there's so many things that have to be looked for. And then uh, sometimes for one of our populations, children with special needs, we actually use a very ethical breeder. We use the Golden Doodles and a very ethical breeder and have had great results. And in in addition, for 7% of our population of veterans that are um, have allergies, so they need the golden doodle hypoallergenic dogs. And so we have a very ethical breeder that we can recommend to anybody, and I'd be glad to, to do so. Great. So if that's somebody's issue they're dealing with, then you've got some way to help them with that as well. 
Yes, absolutely. We actually have four of the golden doodles are out there with children with special needs. And we also have them out there with the veterans if they have the allergies. So we actually have six of the dogs from this this breeder out there and just incredible journeys and in, in what they're doing. Awesome. Now, is there any particular task that's harder to train a dog to do than, say, other tasks? Yes, definitely. That's the fine balance we try to find because they have to be, the dog, the canines have to be in public and they are service dogs. Well, we're not in any way trying to break their own spirit. In fact, we want to enhance their spirit because enhancing their spirit then lets them be motivated to do what they do. And you see their pride and their desire to please. And, and the hardest thing is barking because that is when they bark. Because that is how they communicate, and it's actually okay. While of course we can't we can't allow that in public, so that's one of the hardest things to correct and to let them understand when it still is okay to bark. For example, if someone comes up to a house, while if they see another dog in public, we try to correct that behavior. Well, I have trained my own dogs. None of them were up to the snuff of, say, a service dog. I always wondered. Does the dog recognize that they're working when they have the vest on? Can you train to that? Yes, and it's amazing. It's actually almost instinctual. And, for example, we get the question frequently, well, do they still get to be dogs at home? And and absolutely. And and a lot of times we say there's only a, a few rules. And then when we praise the dog and reward them, and then the connection, the dogs just want to love. They want to connect and that that's in their genes that's what they do and it really is amazing when you put on that vest they know that it's time to work it it, it's sort of like a policeman or a fireman that's their uniform and they know that when they put that on they know what to do and it's really incredible to watch that's interesting that was just a curiosity question of mine is if they were able to pick up the difference between wearing a vest and not wearing the vest if if that was the distinction between working time and non-working time yes it it really is and and for example when uh, we do a lot of events and have the two our two main service dogs out there to represent freedom fidos and anytime we have the vest on it's such a important distinction that as soon as we can we take that vest off and, and we use the term free, letting them know that, okay, work work is done. And, and so it, it, they really enjoy the balance. Oh, interesting. You know, I know you're a busy guy with this organization. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, you have a contact page on your website. Is that the best way? Yes, absolutely. That's freedomfidos.org. And my email is at freedomfidos.org. And I'm blessed to have this opportunity. We often state that we we feel blessed with the perfect trifecta at Freedom Fidos that we get to rescue the dogs, we get to work with our populations, and then we get to engage with the community, which really is an honor for me and just feels so great. So I absolutely uh, am honored to hear from anybody and look forward to speaking with them. Well, it's my pleasure to get the story out. Folks, go out to freedomfidos.org. You can access not only their Instagram, but also their Facebook and Twitter pages from there. I'll have all of that in the show notes. So if you're driving or doing anything, 
Don't worry about it. Just come back to the show notes and you'll be able to access everything, including stories for the book, as well as another story I found about Matt. And he really is being modest. You'll really enjoy his story. And just a little bit that we've had a chance to talk and the idea that you even knew what ankylosing spondylitis was, I think bringing you on, even though it's not that you're training dogs necessarily for anybody disabled and out there, but you're looking at a certain area, it's still, there's such a deep talent pool of people that have ankylosing spondylitis that may not be able to work themselves anymore, that may be looking for a great place to donate some time to. So I really hope that people reach out and, and connect with you and help in this mission that you're you're doing now. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor. And um, any individuals with any kind of disability are, are in my heart and we have our populations now. While I also know what these canines can do. I firmly believe in it. And so we do hope to, to grow and increase the populations we serve that Freedom Fighters can be an organization that can say yes to as many people as possible and, and to make a difference in the world. If that's, if that's what my gravestone says is that Matt made a difference, then, then I'll be okay with that. So that's what I push for every day. And thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. And, and again, your mission is rescuing these dogs and getting them in the hands of the vets that need them. So it's just near and dear to my heart. Thank you for your time. And uh, I look forward to talking to you in the future. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.